We are spending a, a few weeks in January in these shorter services, um, which I've said will finish around 11, might be five past, uh, around some different characters in the Bible. And when we do character studies, you, you tend to look at the, the character of a person or the, the negatives and the positives of, of a person and their journey and um, sort of pick that apart a bit and, and pick out what we can learn from and what we can follow and what we can do better at. And we might do that in the next few weeks, uh, but this morning's a little bit different. Although some of Philemon's character is mentioned by Paul in those few verses in 4 to 7. It's actually something that, that's not mentioned in, in this letter that we want to focus on today. It's a word that's not mentioned here. That might sound silly, but it's a bit like Esther where God isn't mentioned, but it's all about God. The word forgive and forgiveness is not mentioned, but this morning it's all about that. Paul's letter to Philemon is, is quite personal. It's not a it's not a letter uh, that is of doctrinal or a theological sort of expounded out to talk about the principles of building a church or uh, you know false teaching. It's one of the most personal letters that we'll probably read in in the New Testament, and he addresses Philemon as a prisoner. You notice he doesn't come as he does it in other letters at the beginning as the apostle with authority, telling them how it is. This is what you've got to do. Here I am in prison, Philemon, living out my faith, doing what Jesus said, go, as you go, make disciples. And wherever you are in life, Philemon in this place of privilege and wealth with a home church and servants and slaves, and he says, live out your faith. Be authentic. Align your life with what you're preaching. And as I said, he talks about this character of Philemon and it's a, it's a glowing reference, isn't it, in verses 4 to 7 about this bloke. It, one of the most detailed commendations or references of a person that I think the Apostle Paul gives in any of his writings. Occasionally with, with two children of my own, I, I know sometimes what comes next after a, a glowing few words from a daughter who's perhaps looking for something else afterwards. Daddy, you know, with that tone of voice, Dad, you're the best. (laughs) You know what's coming next. But Paul's not doing that. Paul recognises and acknowledges Philemon in those verses for his, his love for each, for others, the church that they're running, the refreshed hearts of the believers and reminding him because of who he is in Christ, this new person, there is an expectation from Paul 
that Philemon would forgive. You know, we're commanded in scripture to forgive. Ephesians 4.32 says, forgive each other. Forgive each other just as God has forgiven you. Jesus said in Matthew, and we're going to come to this passage right at the end. How many times shall we forgive, Lord? And they do it again and again, and they fail me, and they hurt me, and again and again. Seventy times seven. Whatever your interpretation might be of that. And there are many examples of our Lord forgiving and showing forgiveness. But I think the pinnacle is our, our Lord on the cross. Murdered by human beings, created in his image. And as he hung on the cross, he didn't curse them or ask for God's judgment to come down on them. His words were, forgive, forgive them. Father, forgive them for what they're doing. You know, today we don't have time to go into the theology and the uh, forgiveness. Um, but I suggest, and I hope you have a, a, an understanding of forgiveness. Um, as I suggest, Paul and Philemon would have had a, a good understanding of what, what it meant to forgive. The examples of Jesus. And because his appeal to Philemon is, is based on love, not theology, he, he's, you can sense that Paul knows Philemon has an understanding of this theology of forgiveness. And now it's not just about talking about it and saying, oh, forgiveness is this and forgiveness is that. Off you go now into your life and you've got some great knowledge of forgiveness. But much more than the theology is now to put it into practice. Now to see it applied in your life. Just briefly, the, the story that, uh, that, uh, Jack read out to us from Philemon is Philemon had a church in his house in, in Colossae and he was somewhat of a, a pretty wealthy man, as I said, and, um, the, the church that he had in his home was made up of quite poorer people and slaves. And there was one slave who was not a believer, Onesimus. And he left the house, he ran away, and it would seem he, as he left, he, he stole something, perhaps coins or money or possessions of Philemon's. A punishment that could be death at that time. Definitely imprisonment. And off he goes to, to, to Rome, and in this massive population, in this huge city, with all of its culture and diversity and his anonymity, don't you love the way God works? Onesimus runs into Paul. And exactly how that happened, I don't know if it was in prison or how it happened, but Paul and Onesimus come across each other and what does Paul do? Of course, he tells him about the gospel. And Onesimus' life is changed. And Paul says, I see him now as a brother. He actually says, my son, in reference to his belonging to Christ and Paul's stature in the, the churches and in his walk with the Lord and as a mentor to Onesimus. 
So Paul writes this letter now to Philemon and puts it in the hand of Onesimus. Says, go back to your master, who is now your brother, and give him this letter. As I said earlier, forgiveness is, is mandatory. It's demanded in scripture. It's not a, it's not a maybe. It's not a, if you feel up to it. Paul knew it. Philemon knew it. And Paul had all the authority to say to Philemon, this is what you must do. But he chooses what is, I think, a distinct Christian characteristic, or at least it should be, the truth in love. And this morning, as we just spend these next few minutes thinking about forgiveness, I I just picked out three sort of points that I think Paul makes in this letter about forgiveness. One is that forgiveness brings purpose. Forgiveness requires action and forgiveness comes at a cost. In verse 11, Paul says, Formerly, he's talking about Onesimus here, formerly he was useless to you. But now he has become useful both to you and me. And it might sound a bit harsh. But Paul is saying here, if if there's no forgiveness and Onesimus comes back, there'll just be hostility. There'll be awkwardness. There'll be a divide in your relationship. And how is that going to benefit the church? Yet forgiveness will bring unity and it will bring purpose. Not for doing whatever he was doing before as a slave, digging the trenches or doing the dishes or whatever it was. That's not what Paul's worried about. But for the sake of the gospel, he is your brother. For the building up of the church. As we've spoken about this morning, when we experience the forgiveness of God, of our sin, we are brought into a a wonderful relationship with our Creator. We are given a new life, a life that has purpose, a purpose that we didn't have before, a life that has hope for eternity, a life without God, a life without His forgiveness. It is a life without hope. It's a life without purpose when we are lost. Forgiveness brings purpose. The second point is forgiveness requires action. Forgiveness requires action. Verse 17, so if you consider me a partner, Paul says to this Philemon, if you consider me a partner... Welcome him as you would welcome me into your place. I can't help but think about two daughters and I, I pick on them a lot when I'm up here. Um, <clears throat> Mackenzie's 12 and Ava's 10. And this is how it often goes down in St. Helena. 
Ava annoys Mackenzie. Mackenzie hurts Ava. Ava cries. Then Ava says, oh, Mackenzie needs to say sorry. Then I'll forgive her. So Mackenzie, sometimes it goes down like this. Mackenzie will go, sorry, Ava. Not really authentic, is it? Other times, Mackenzie will say, oh, I'm really sorry, Ava. Are you okay? And Ava will be like, whatever. (laughs) But I have seen forgiveness in our kids, in their relationship, uh, where they embrace each other, where they ask each other if they can help. Are you okay? What can I do to help you? Uh, it'd be lovely to see that every time, but it's not really the reality. But you see, forgiveness is, is much more than just words. Forgiveness is much more than words. It requires action. You know, Jesus took the action of coming from heaven to earth, born as a human, giving his life, the ultimate action of forgiveness is what Jesus did for us on the cross. And whatever's being asked of you and I and of Philemon from Paul doesn't even compare to the cost of what Jesus gave, to the action that he took for you and me. And you see, he says here, if you consider me a partner, which Philemon would have been wrapped with that. Philemon would have loved to have heard that. The Apostle Paul, if you consider me a partner, then welcome him. Welcome him. Treat him with respect as you would treat me. Treat him with love and grace. Ensure that the church embraces this man and loves him and welcomes him. This is an action that the community would see and think, wow, what forgiveness. Wow, what a life, what a testimony. You know, wherever there are people, there's a need for forgiveness. Wherever there's a group of people, even two, siblings, a husband and wife, friends at school, uni, workmates, next door neighbours, wherever there are people, there is a need for forgiveness. I've been at this church long enough to know that in, even in this place, there's been a need for forgiveness. Over years, there has been hurt, betrayal of trust, things said that shouldn't have been said. People have left this church community broken and hurt. Because there hasn't been forgiveness. 
So what action, as you consider this for yourself, what action are you refusing right now or holding back that could bring forgiveness in a relationship? Or maybe it's not right now, but in the past or in the future, what action is going to hold us back from forgiving? Because forgiveness requires action. Lastly, forgiveness comes at a cost. Paul says to Philemon, charge it to me. He took some money or took possessions or whatever, wiped the slate clean. Wipe it clean. Now Onesimus doesn't owe you anything. I owe you. Put it on my account. Start drawing the parallels, can't we? To what Jesus Christ did for us. And Paul says, not only put it on my account and charge it to me, I'll pay it back, but know, know this, that you already owe me. Just making sure Onesimus is... Uh, sorry, Philemon's mind is on track. And we don't read about Philemon's response here or exactly what happens next, but I can pretty confidently say I don't think Philemon put his hand out to Paul to say, hey, cough up. Jesus spoke a parable in Matthew 18. And I'll finish with this. And you probably know it very well, the unforgiving servant. And I'll paraphrase it a little bit that Jesus said to the, the, the people here, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's the context. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So this master has a servant who owes him a million dollars. And he brings the servant before him and says, where's my money? And he gets on his knees, this servant, please don't sell my family, please have mercy, please don't do it. I'll pay it back. He knows he can't pay it back. Okay. I have mercy on you, he says to the servant. Off you go. It's cleared. And Jesus says that servant, he went off. And he went and got one of his servants who owed him a thousand bucks. Grabs him by the scruff of the neck and says, where's my money? And this servant gets down and begs, please, for a thousand dollars, I can't pay it right now, don't put me in prison. And that servant who just had his million dollar debt cleared throws this person in prison, shows no mercy at all. And the word gets back to the master. And he says, you wicked servant, I cancelled all that debt of yours 
because you begged me to, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which he couldn't. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is a bold statement and a clear statement from Jesus about forgiveness that you'll ever see or hear. That forgiveness will cost you. Maybe it's an amount of, of money someone owes you. Maybe it's a, an awkward conversation that needs to be had. Maybe the cost for you will be a, a lowering of your ego or a lowering of your status in society or in the workplace or at home or at school. But what I take away from this and want to just enforce this morning is that whatever you do, whatever you do, don't count the cost of forgiveness as too much or too high because Jesus gave his life. And the cost for you and I to forgive to restore relationship, to build someone else up. The cost is never going to be as much as what Jesus did, as what he gave for you. Who am I to receive the mercy and grace of my Lord to then turn around to someone and say, never will I forgive you for that? I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. I know. I know in my own life and my family's life and things that have happened in this church and in people, some of you, in your life. It's not easy. But because Jesus gave his life, he commands. He doesn't ask. He commands whatever the cost Whatever the cost is, forgive. Father, thank you that you did send your son Jesus. Thank you that he gave his life. We face circumstances that are sometimes just overwhelming. People have done things to us that are just seems like it's too much. Lord, in 2022, draw our attention to what Jesus has given for us, that we may stand forgiven at the cross. Let that flow into our life, that we may be Christ to others in the way that we love and treat them and in the way that we forgive them. May this be a glowing testimony of your change and your impact on us. We ask this in the name of our precious Saviour. Amen.